Hey guys, I'm so sorry I can't be with you all at church in person today. I thought I could escape, but sadly COVID finally got the better of me. But it's okay, I'm, I'm feeling all right. I'm in my final couple of days of isolation, so I really hope to see you all again soon. Um, today we're continuing our series, looking at our statement of faith. Um, our statement of faith outlines what we believe as a church and what we believe is essential for us to unite around. And today we're going to be looking at point seven. Um, it says, God created human beings in his own image, equal before God and distinct as male and female. God designed marriage to be a covenantal, lifelong union between a man and a woman that reflects the relationship between Christ and his church. There's a lot in there, so let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, um, help us now open our, our eyes, our minds, our hearts um, to receive your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. What does it mean to be human? It's incredible to think that across 510 million square kilometers of the earth, there are 7.8 billion people that share one thing in common their humanity. Uh, you can travel across the world and see people that look so different to you, yet you know instinctively who are the humans as opposed to the rest of creation. Um, in the world, there are over 10,000 different people groups, roughly 7,000 languages, and still it's our common humanity that unites us all. Humans are so different and diverse, yet at the same time so alike. Being human is kind of something we know instinctively, but it's actually extremely hard to define. What really separates us from the animals? Um, the evolutionary scientist Charles Darwin said this. He said, the difference in mind between man and the higher animals, great as it is, is certainly one of degree and not of kind. You see, to Darwin, there's nothing that separates us from the animals. Being human is only a matter of degree and not kind. In Darwin's eyes, we're just a smarter and superior mammal. Is there really no distinction? What does it really mean to be human? Um, the passage that was just read for us marvels at this same question in verse 4. Um, after the author marvels at the vastness of creation, he then zeroes in on humanity. And he asks this. He asks, what is man that you are mindful of him? The reason I want to explore this question with you today is because I believe if you really knew who you were, if you really knew what you were created to be, it would change everything. The Bible answers this question in a simple but loaded phrase. What it means to be human is that we are made in the image of God. We saw last week that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created the lands and the seas, the birds and the animals. And the pinnacle of God's creation, his crowning glory is us. Uh, when God creates humans in Genesis 1, he says, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. You see, from the very beginning, 
We're set apart from anything else in all creation. We're unlike anything else because we're uniquely made in God's image. Every human being on this planet bears the mark of God himself. God says that's what it means to be human, that we are image bearers of God. From the beginning, we're created with incredible dignity and worth because our value and worth isn't tied to our utility. Under Darwin's formulation, if humans are only different from the animals because we're faster and because we're stronger, then we're only valuable because of our ability. But if being human means we are made in the image of God, then we're not valuable based on our performance. We're not valuable based on how much money we earn or how useful we are to others. No, we're valuable because God loves us and created us to be like him. And it's this definition of humanity that's formed the basis of human rights. And what led to the abolition of slavery in Britain and then in the US was the conviction that all people bear the image of God and are inherently valuable. Humans are not commodities to be used and exploited, but images of God to be respected. Genesis 1 also says both men and women are created in the image of God, equal in value and worth. Into a culture where women are often treated like property, into a culture where women are often seen as inferior to men, Genesis says no. Both male and female are of equal value. Why? Because all humans bear the image of God. That's what it means to be human. Uh, However, though we're made in the image of God, we're not given an explicit definition of what that means. So that's what we'll be unpacking. So first, being made in the image of God means we were made to rule. We were made to rule. Also, if you drop down to verse 28, after creating men and women in his image, God blesses them and says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and have dominion. Psalm 8 as well. When describing humans, the psalmist says, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. What it means to be human is we were made to rule the world on God's behalf. It makes sense, doesn't it? If we're made in the image of God, our creator and ruler, it makes sense that we share some of his attributes as a ruler too. The image of God is functional, serving as rulers on God's behalf. And so in Genesis 2, humans are given this task of working the ground, naming the animals as an expression of this dominion. Their work brings order to God's creation with the goal that the world would flourish and be fruitful as God commanded. It's this task of ruling and stewarding creation that separates us from the animals. Um, In the world of Genesis, statues of gods were believed to mediate the presence and power of the deity they signified. Uh, It's also why we put statues around the place. It's why we put flags on the moon. Who does this land belong to? Who got here first? As images of God, we share a similar function. We are God's statues. We mediate the presence, the power and the loving rule of our creator. 
We rule the world to show the world what God is like. You see, without knowing who we are, you might struggle for a sense of purpose. It's what everyone on this planet is searching for, purpose and meaning in life. We want our lives to count. Well, being made in the image of God gives you this purpose. Your purpose is to represent God as rulers and stewards of creation, to show the world what God is like. As God creates the world, He creates it out of love and generosity. It's a rule not as a harsh or an oppressive dictator, but the gentle nurture of a parent. So we image God by the way we work to work for the flourishing of people. Um, Our workers, cleaners, teachers, doctors, accountants, bring order to the world and enables humans to be fruitful. And not just simply doing it, but the way we do these things. Work hard. Do your work really well. And carry out your work with a kindness and a care that reflects the kindness of your Creator. It imbues all work, doesn't it, with a sense of meaning and purpose. Even if you don't really like your job, even if your job feels repetitive and boring, what job doesn't from time to time, right? You need to know that even the most mundane tasks are valuable to God where they're done in a way that reflect His likeness. See, as you you do these things, you reflect being made in God's image to show the world what God is like. So being human, being made in God's image means we were made to rule. But it also means we are made for relationship. Uh, Theologian Michael Horton, he says, the image of God isn't just something in us, but something between us and God that constitutes a covenant relationship. Being human means we were made for relationship with God. Humans have this unique capacity to relate to God as our creator. Through the Bible, God speaks to humans and humans speak to God in a way the rest of creation cannot experience. Um, In Genesis, where God blesses the birds and the animals, God does something entirely different with us. He speaks to humanity. He says directly to us, be fruitful and multiply. Our ability to communicate personally to God shows that we really are created in His image. Through human history, all societies and cultures have thought about the transcendent. Um, we've, We've all thought about spiritual matters that exist beyond this physical world we can see. No other creature has this capacity. No other creature or animal ever wonders, is there more to this life? Because only humans are created in the image of God. It's it's why this idea of covenants or God's promises are so significant in the Bible. Because covenants are where God personally commits himself to us and where we personally commit ourselves to him. In a relationship of love and faithfulness. Being made in God's image means we were made to love God and be loved by him. What a privilege. What a privilege to be able to communicate with the God of the universe. Have you ever thought about this? 
for God to speak to us personally in his word, for us to communicate to him personally in prayer. It's remarkable. As we do these things, we show what it means to be truly human. It's why at at church we value the word and prayer so highly here. To know and be known by the God of the universe. But not only that, being human doesn't just mean we are made for a relationship with God, but for deep social connection with others. In Genesis 2, God says it is not good for man to be alone. In seeking to find someone suitable for him, Adam doesn't find anyone amongst the animals or the birds. No, he can't marry a cow, unfortunately. Thank goodness, really. Can't be mates with a horse. I, I guess they didn't have pets back then. No, it's only when God creates the woman that Adam says, this at last, at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. At last. Finally, how romantic. Eve, you are the one, says Adam. And in the garden, as an expression of being made for relationship, God conducts the very first wedding. God's covenant with us is now reflected in the marriage covenant he gives to humanity. Now here, I want to talk specifically about marriage since it's in our statement of faith. Marriage is not the only way to enjoy a relationship, of course. Friendships are a fundamental and vital part of being human. So people who are single and unmarried, they still reflect the relational aspect of the God's image through friendships, family, um, through belonging to our church family as well. But specifically in marriage, we witness the equality and distinction of God's image. Men and women both equal before God, equal in value, in dignity and worth, yet at the same time, made so different. Ephesians 5 gives us this picture of marriage. The Apostle Paul says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its saviour. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Here we see the distinction between male and female that makes marriage a witness to the gospel and what God is like. Wives submit and entrust themselves to their husband in a way that reflects the church's submission to the loving rule of Christ its Saviour. And the husband lays down his life for his wife in a way that reflects Christ's love and sacrifice for his church. The husband and wife are both equal in value and worth, yet play complementary roles. It's these roles that work towards the flourishing of the relationship as a window into God's relationship with us. And lifelong covenant between male and female in marriage reflects God's eternal and unending covenant with us. So for those of you who are married or who are considering marriage in the future, you need to know that the goal of marriage 
isn't just to live happily ever after. Um, It's not just to learn how to live together without trying to kill each other, though that's good. No, the primary goal of your marriage is that you would reflect the gospel, the nature of God and his covenant love to the watching world. So husbands, lay down your life, sacrifice for your wife, so she would grow into the the fullness of who Christ created her to be. Um, Have a time for devotions and prayer together. Initiate things that would help her grow in her sanctification. And wives, entrust yourselves to the loving leadership of your husband to support him in his role to lead you both into godliness. At Cross Culture, we're invested in seeing marriages grow, that your marriages would reflect the love of Christ. We want marriages to remain faithful through hard times um, because faithful and fruitful marriages are a reflection of being made for a relationship. So right now, if if you're finding marriage difficult, um, if marriage for you has been a bit more unstable recently, um, please please reach out to one of the pastors or your life group leader, and and we'd love to support you and and help in any way that we can. All right, so far we've seen what it means to be human. Being made in God's image means that we're made to rule and we're made for relationships. It's an incredible purpose. It's an amazing reality to enjoy. So this is the problem. If I'm made for such glorious purpose, why does my life feel so ordinary? Why does living feel so empty of purpose? Why aren't my relationships in a better place? In our final section, we'll see the ultimate purpose for being human, which is being made for Christ. As Psalm 8 reflects on the wonder of humanity, in verse 5, the author marvels that we have been crowned with a peculiar glory and honor. Uh, through the Old Testament as well, um, Israel are called to be people who display God's glory. Their purpose is that they would showcase to the world how being in relationship with God changes everything. Being made in God's image means to display the glory of God to the world. Yet at the same time, we know that the image of God has been corrupted by sin. When the first humans sinned, they fail in their task to image God. They rebel against his purposes for creation. Where humans were supposed to rule over creation... No, in sin, they let creation, they let the serpent rule over them. Where humans are supposed to love God and love each other, they rebel against God's loving rule and they start to blame each other instead. You see, the reason why life feels so devoid of purpose now is that we have rejected the beauty of the image of God for us what we see in our world today. We see that humans can achieve such remarkable feats, such incredible technological advances. Cars now run on batteries, right? Yet at the same time, these incredible gifts can be used for selfish purposes. 
Um, we see the head of two incredible tech companies, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, rivaling each other to see who can make it to space first, just cause. We see such amazing demonstrations of self-sacrifice and love in the world, yet at the same time, war and division. Don't know if you've ever had a watch run out of battery before. You keep wearing the watch on your wrist, but every time you look down, it's the wrong time. It's no longer fit for purpose. You keep wearing it, but every time you look down, the one thing it's supposed to do is broken. As humans, we remain the image of God. Yes, we can still relate to God, but instead of relating to Him out of love and obedience, we relate to Him out of rebellion and ignorance. Genesis 9 acknowledges that while the image of God continues in us, because of sin, it's no longer fit for purpose. Uh, French theologian Henry Blocker, he says, Mankind remains the image of God, but he has become a contradictory image, a caricature, a witness against himself. Our broken humanity is a constant reminder that we are just shadows of what we were created to be. But you see, this is the very reason why Jesus came into our world as a human. Colossians 1 says Jesus isn't just in the likeness of God, He is the image of the invisible God. And Jesus comes to us as the perfect image of God to restore our broken images. And in Jesus, we see what it means to be truly human. He's the one who rules, who restores creation. He heals the sick. He frees the oppressed. He restores people back to flourishing. And he's the one who relates perfectly to his heavenly father and is completely loving towards us. So if you want to know what it means to be truly human, look to Jesus. Jesus is the most human human. He's the perfect image of God and he, He's the one who dies for us so that we can be remade in His image by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you look at the New Testament, the language of image of God is now recast as the image of Christ because Jesus is the perfect human. Being made in God's image means being conformed into Christ's image. We are made for Christ. And now Paul in, in, in 2 Corinthians shows our ultimate purpose in life. He says, We all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. As you believe the gospel, as you believe in Christ's death and resurrection for us, by His Spirit, we are transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. It's why Paul urges us now in Colossians 3, put away your old self, your old corrupted image. Put away anger, wrath, malice, slander. Instead, put on the new image of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, which is being renewed in the knowledge after the image of its Creator. Your ultimate purpose as a human is to be conformed into the image of Christ. 
as we put off sin, as we put on Christ, we are in the process of becoming more and more human. More and more of who we were created to be. Uh, a friend said to me recently, uh, sometimes it feels like giving into sin is the most natural thing we can do. But then he realized, as you fight sin, as you put it to death, actually you are being true to your truest self. As you are remade to become like Jesus, the most natural and human thing you can do is to put sin to death. So keep struggling. Keep fighting your sin. Put it to death. Because, becoming, because being human means we are made for a glorious purpose. To belong to Jesus and to become like Jesus. Today, we started by exploring this question from Psalm 8. What is man that you are mindful of him? And as we finish today, I want us to feel the weight of this question. Consider how big God made the universe. The observable universe is about 93 billion light years in diameter. And each of the stars and the planets God himself has set into place. So the psalmist here, he looks up, he looks to the heavens, he looks at the planets, the moon, the stars that God created and marvels at this bigness. And then he looks down and he considers the smallness of humanity, our finiteness, our weakness, our seeming insignificance when compared to the rest of creation. And yet the psalmist concludes that we are the glory of the universe. We stand at the center of God's plans. God's plans to make a people for himself, broken images, yet now redeemed to become like him. And the definitive marker that humanity stands at the center of the universe is that Jesus became man. At the center of the universe is a God who loved us so much that he became human. You see, God is constantly taking weak, broken, insignificant things like us and remaking us into the beauty of his son. So that now together we would declare as people created and redeemed by his son, O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we marvel at the bigness of creation, that you have set all things in their place, the moon, the stars, the heavens. Yet, Lord, we now consider as well the smallness of how you've made us, insignificant creatures, yet so valuable in your sight, so valuable that you would send your own son to redeem our broken images and remake them into the perfect image of your son, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. We love you. And in your name we pray. Amen.